This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Welcome. It is the Glenn Beck Program. My name is Mike Broomhead. Phoenix, Arizona, day two in for Glenn. My second and final day. Thanks for making the Glenn Beck Program a part of your day, wherever you're listening to us. Social media interaction, once again, huge response yesterday on social media. Hope to get more today. It's going to be a big day on the show, of course. The big story of the day is John Kerry's rebuke of Israel. The fact that uh, Israel continues to say they have solid proof that the U.S. was behind this U.N. resolution. And now they've put it out there. John Kerry's made some admissions in that regard. And for him to rebuke Israel in the way he has, it's more than just what he said yesterday. There is a history here that we're going to talk about that part of the world and not just in the Middle East, not just in that part of the world, but U.S. policies under this president overall over the last eight years and how they're all culminating right now. It is all coming to an end for them. They have nothing to lose. This president is going to leave, trying to leave some indelible marks, not just in foreign policy, not just when it comes to Israel and the Middle East and the Palestinians or the Iranians, but how about the Cubans? We'll talk about that relationship. What John Kerry had to say about the death of Fidel Castro, a communist evil dictator that oppressed his people for decades. What they said about the nuclear deal with the Iranians and the neighboring states that are supposed to be allies to the U.S. and what we said to them in, the, in, in retrospect after that deal was cut. And then it leads up to what's now happened with a U.N. resolution that the U.S. was behind, that they denied, but now can no longer deny they were behind this. They have said that they didn't write it, that they didn't introduce it. That doesn't mean they weren't behind it and didn't have anything to do with it. So that's going to be a big part of the first hour of the program. Hour number two, we will talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. As I said, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, the western United States. And the huge swath of land that is controlled by the federal government. Well, the president, much to the dismay and anger of people in Utah and other parts of the western United States, declaring millions of acres, federally protected land, all in the idea of his EPA regulation and overregulation. So if you'll bear with me in hour number two, why this is important no matter where you are in this country, but why, especially in the Western United States, these policies are so important. It's not just about protecting land for future generations. There is a lot more to this ideology than meets the eye. It sounds like a topic that on the list of things that there are to be concerned about in our world, 
that this would not be something that is high on the list. But I can promise you, I promise you, it should be very high on the list of things. And it's something we'll talk about in hour number two. Also, ISIS is calling for New Year's Eve attacks here in the U.S. using horrific images. I mean just despicable images of Santa Claus and blood and Christmas trees and rifles and overt threats to America New Year's Eve. What are we going to do as a nation with the big parties that will be going on in New York City and other major cities across the country, including one of them that I'm in and probably where you are as well? If there is going to be plans, the government working overtime trying to keep people protected. So we will discuss all of this this morning on the show And in the 9 o'clock hour, as we did yesterday, we will focus a little bit on the economy. What we're seeing now, the the president-elect announced that Sprint is going to keep 5,000 jobs or bring 5,000 jobs back to the U.S. We're starting to see the wheels turn of what the the president-elect wants to do in, in business. Now, I have been hopefully optimistic in regards to the economy. When it came time for the election during the primary process and then the general election, Any dismay I had and any disagreement I had was more about presentation than policy. But I will say the strong suit for a Trump administration is going to be economic, and the country votes largely with their wallet. That isn't the end-all, be-all. There is a moral compass we must adhere to and abide by as well. There are limitations to what presidential power should be. I'm making a commitment to my listeners here in Arizona, but to everybody— I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right is right and wrong is wrong. If Donald Trump abuses, uh, abuses executive power the way Barack Obama did, even if I agree with what he's accomplishing, you've got to include Congress, especially when you have a Republican Congress. There's negotiation that is there to be had. There's no doubt about any of that. When you look at what's going on right now, the country's yesterday was a big part of the show. We talked about or I, I talked about how consumer confidence is at a 15-year high. Well, of course it's at a 15-year high. It's at a 15-year high because the American people are starting to see the wheels turn in the other direction. I talked at great length yesterday about class warfare. America doesn't believe in class warfare largely. We don't. We look at people sometimes that have a huge amount of money and we think, how do those people become rich? They don't seem smart enough to be that wealthy or maybe we feel like they got lucky. They were born into a family. It was it, They hit the genetic lottery. And so they've been born into a very wealthy family. And, you know, all that being said, people aren't worried about what other people have. We're, we are worried more, and I love this about America, we are a lot more worried about what people don't have. And I think that's really something truly American. In the middle of this time of year, When we take inventory, you think about leading up to Christmas. Think about the gifts you buy for your loved ones, for your kids, for family members. You look under the Christmas tree at what you were able to provide for your children, let's say, or grandchildren. And we take inventory and we think, you know, we complain a lot throughout the year. We all I have a great job. I love what I do for a living now. I love the industry I'm in. You know how often I complain about my job? Pretty often. You know how often I feel like an idiot for it? All the time, all the time. But this time of year, we take inventory of the blessings we have. And as a country, as it, by and large, it's, there's no hard and fast rule. But by and large, this is the time of year we take inventory and are thankful 
when we look at the year we've had and the abundance we have and the complaints we make, we largely as a country think more about what other people don't have than worrying about what others do. I think that is a, a, a not necessarily uniquely American, but it is definitely an American way to think. Isn't it odd that we see people around us who have less than we do giving more than we give sometimes? We're motivated and inspired by people that have less than us that do more. That's an I believe that's an American sentiment and an American principle as opposed to the other way around, which is what we've been dealing with once again for the last eight years, which is the have-nots shaking their fist at the haves and saying, we're going to get you, and they just can't. So in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll talk about jobs coming back. Russians are threatening revenge, another headline that now that the president, this current president, Obama, is now talking about the sanctions that will be imposed, whether it's economic or political, against the Russians for uh, influence peddling or election meddling or whatever you want to call what they're calling it. The Russians are saying, well, they're not going to stand for it, that they have got their own retribution plan. They will seek their own kind of revenge. It's not going to be military. They don't have that kind of strength against us, but they will do something in the world, in the region. And we'll see economically what they're able to do. And last headline, Dylan Roof, who was the the kid that, and I say kid, the young man who shot up a church in South Carolina that walked into a Bible study, sat down with people in a time of prayer and worship and study for an hour and was accepted into a room full of people and actually socialized with them and then pulled out a gun and just committed a heinous act of murder. He's not going to call any witnesses in the sentencing phase, I guess, for him. He's not going to try to spare his own life. The guy was representing himself in court. We all realize in order for you to have that kind of a, a killing spree in you, to do that, to be that detached from any emotion, there's more going on in the, in the mental state of this guy. So that's also something we'll talk about later in the show. But we've got to, at least in this first hour, the big story of the day was John Kerry's speech yesterday, his rebuke of Israel, his rebuke of them being a nation state, that they can either be Jewish or they can be diplomatic, but they cannot, or or democratic, they can't be both. And then the social media fallout, the worldwide fallout, people here in the States, uh, people, big names in government and private citizens speaking out about that very thing. So that's the big topic this hour, especially when we compare it to some of the other things that he has done. So that's where we're going, and that's the direction we're going to be. Social media users, when we get back, I'll give you ways you can reach out to me and speak to me via social media. If you jumped on board yesterday, I appreciate it. I hope you'll stay in touch this morning. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 
888-727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So John Kerry speaks out and rebukes Israel, calling the settlements in the West Bank a threat to peace, or the Israeli settlements a threat to peace. How interesting, how fascinating is this, that John Kerry is talking about Israel being a threat to peace at all? I I, I want to. I am so tempted to jump ahead to the way I've got this planned. I want to speak specifically about this before I jump in any other direction because there is so much happening with what John Kerry did yesterday. And remember, be very clear about this. What John Kerry is doing is carrying out the policies of the president of the United States, as he should. You are the secretary of state. You are the chief diplomat for the United States, but you work at the pleasure of the president of the United States. You are out there and because we've elected him president. He sets the policy. Therefore, he appoints a secretary of state and sends him or her out to do the bidding of the U.S., to do the diplomatic uh, job and the dip- be the diplomatic liaison for the American people. So it's very easy for me to jump into the second part of this right away. It, to me, it's low-hanging fruit, but we will get to why it's even worse than it appears with what John Kerry did yesterday. Um, the status quo is leading toward one state and perpetual occupation is what John Kerry said. His speech was a powerful admonition after years of tension and frustration with the Obama administration giving public voice to its long-held concern that Israel was headed off a cliff toward international isolation and was condemning itself to a future of low-level perpetual warfare with the Palestinians. Let us just talk for just a minute about the Palestinian aggression against Israel. Those tunnels that are dug to get into Israel, they're not dug by the Israelis. The Israelis are not digging tunnels to get to the Palestinians. The Palestinians fire at, lob bombs into, use artillery from neighborhoods. The Israelis know that these are filled with citizens, not soldiers. So when they fire back, they're firing into neighborhoods. They're blamed for defending themselves, not the Palestinians, for setting up and using civilians as cover. I mean, just on its face, it's a ridiculous conversation. Absolutely ridiculous. But John Kerry saying that settlements are a threat to peace is about the most hypocritical thing he has done or said as Secretary of State. He's made some mistakes, and he's the policies of the United States when it comes to foreign policy have been almost completely 180 degrees wrong. We continue to hear about what a great job is being done diplomatically and militarily against ISIS. A, there was no ISIS eight years ago. This is the administration that called ISIS the JV squad. Remember the history of all of this. 
don't buy into what's being said today and how it's being compared to what they said yesterday. Compare it to what they've said for the past eight years. Before President Obama was President Obama, when talking about the United States military and talking about the wars in Iraq and in Afghanistan, he said we have to do more than killing civilians and air raiding villages. That was his opinion of the United States military, that the United States military was not going, and the coalition, of course, but he was talking specifically about our military, that he was under the assumption and the belief that the American military was, if not targeting civilians or just indiscriminately air raiding villages, that we had absolutely no concern for loss of innocent lives and we weren't risking the lives of the American military to spare the lives of civilians. Anybody out there who has been deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan, especially those places, since Bush 41 was in power in the original Iraq war, you know that's a slap in your face. I don't care if you're a registered Democrat and vote Democrat. That kind of a statement is a slap in your face. The president was warned whether he thought we should have gone into Iraq or not. You cannot pull troops out. You will create a vacuum that will be filled by evil. He did it anyway for political reasons because he made political promises. He created that vacuum and the uprising of ISIS happened. And at one time, the Islamic State controlled the entire border between Syria and Iraq. Big chunks of northern Iraq, oil, money, banks. They destroyed um, religious relics of every other faith but their own. These are the people that will murder somebody for either drawing a picture of the Prophet Muhammad or burning a Koran or, or desecrating or disrespecting the Koran. They'll murder you. Destroyed religious relics of faiths that were not their own. Murdered people in the streets. A gang of thugs. Now we're hearing about progress against that organization when we, as a people, because of the policies of this president, are responsible for its uprising. And now John Kerry makes his final speech in the Middle East with a rebuke against Israel. And now the Israelis know. John Kerry admits that the U.S. coordinated with the U.N. Security Council on the Israeli settlement resolution. Kerry stated that the administration strongly rejected the notion that somehow the United States was the driving force behind the resolution. However, he also pointed out that they were aware As, um, as was Israel, that Egypt and the Palestinians intended to bring a resolution to a vote at the end of the year. The United States did not draft the origin or originate the resolution, he said, nor did we put it forward. It was drafted by Egypt. But he also admitted they knew all about it. Behind the scenes, they were a part of coordinating it. This is the final step. This is the legacy of this administration. This is the legacy of this Secretary of State. Now part two of this. We know what he did yesterday with Israel. Now let's look what he's been doing in the region over the last couple of years and around the country. I mean around the world. 
the deal with the Iranians, how they stated what they did about the death of of, of uh, Fidel Castro, the evil dictator, and the policies of this administration. It's part two of this story this hour. I am at Broomhead Show on Twitter. Not Mike Broomhead. I'm at Broomhead Show on Twitter. I am Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. That's how you can reach me. I hope social media users will reach out this morning. Look forward to talking with you. Back in a moment with part two of this story. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn. My final day in for him. Thanks for making the show a part of your day, wherever and however you're listening to it. We do appreciate it. Um, Let me talk about, let me expand a little bit on my dismay at what the United States is doing. And for anybody out there that is a John Kerry, Barack Obama supporter, uh, you obviously a right to your opinions. But you do know that what they've done in the last week with this U.N. resolution and with what they are saying as a policy of the United States about about Israeli settlements is a complete reversal of U.S. policy and opinion for decades. I mean, Carter had this kind of an opinion of the Palestinians. If you remember, Jimmy Carter brought Yasser Arafat to the White House as the, and gave him the same credibility he gave the Israeli prime minister. And he was the head of the PLO, a terrorist organization. Not since then has there been this kind of shift in U.S. policy officially toward Israel. I mean, it is something worth noting and talking about, even if you agree with it. But let's look deeper for just a minute. Not only, and for whatever reason yesterday I went through a lot of this, and I'm not going to do it again, just in the interest of time, During the Iran nuclear deal and negotiation, two things were happening. One, the Iranians were flexing their muscle and their disdain for America, from their religious leader, the Ayatollah, to their military leaders and generals, to their governmental leaders and voting. They unanimously were chanting, literally, not figuratively, literally chanting death to America. While the chief diplomat of the United States sat down with them and continued to negotiate a deal. Part two of that is all of our allies in the region, all of our allies in that region begged us not to do it. Told us, told us, told our government, told John Kerry, told Barack Obama, do not cut a nuclear deal with the Iranians. We shipped them billions of dollars in cash. The story is so well chronicled. 
Most of you know the history of that money, but for those of you that aren't quite sure of the history, I'll give it to you. When the Shah of Iran was in power, the Shah of Iran cut a deal with the U.S. for weapons, and we were going to sell weapons to the Iranian Iranian people because the Shah of Iran was an ally with the United States. And I believe at the time it was $400 million. Well, the Shah was deposed. He was overthrown by these religious zealots and the Ayatollahs took over. They took American hostages for over a year. And then Ronald Reagan became president. And on inauguration day, they released the hostages. But the American government never dealt with them because we never saw them as a legitimate government. They overthrew the Shah of Iran, and we didn't recognize them really as an official government. We weren't going to give them back their $400 million because it wasn't their $400 million. It was the Iranian people, but not that government that was in power. So we didn't give them back their money. All these years later, Barack Obama decides... We're not only going to give the Iranians back the original $400 million, we're going to give them the compounded interest on that money over all these years to the tune of a couple of almost a couple of billion dollars. And we did it on pallets of currency and cash, not just U.S. currency. There were some U.S. dollars, but there were currencies from around the world, literally on pallets wrapped in plastic wrap as a ransom for American hostages, which is, again, a violation of U.S. policies to negotiate with terrorists. The excuse we gave was that in a world court, we were going to have to pay more than we did, and they actually saved us money. That was outside of the nuclear deal. The nuclear deal, which could have included in the nuclear deal the release of those hostages, they didn't. All of our allies in the region said it's a horrible idea, don't do it. The Saudis, the Israelis, every one of our neighbors, any, every one of their neighbors, the Iranian neighbors that were allied with the U.S., we did it anyway. Then, to pacify our allies in the region, we armed them with better weapons to fight the Iranians, not if, but when the Iranians used that money to commit acts of terrorism, which John Kerry under oath admitted was probably going to happen. And there was no way that we could stop it. After we normalize relations with the Iranians, after we pay them over a billion dollars, after we allow them to expand their nuclear program, John Kerry makes a trip across Europe encouraging businesses in the EU to begin to do business with the nation of Iran again, saying to our allies in Europe, if you're concerned about doing business with the Iranians because of your business dealings and because of your being allied with the U.S., you don't have to worry about that anymore. Feel free to do business with Iranians now. We actually went out to bolster the economy of Iran. Our Secretary of State, All of this is true. All of it's documented. So you want to look at what happened this week? This is just the culmination of what they've been doing for eight years. Definitely four years with John Kerry. This president's leaving January 20th. He is not taking his foot off the gas pedal, nor does he need to. 
I mean, this is his prerogative. But as the American people, is this the American representation in foreign policy we want? I mean, that's a question all of us should answer. The Iranians have said publicly they're not going to allow the Americans to back out on the nuclear deal. They're already making threats against America that if if President-elect Trump decides the handshake deal is no longer a handshake deal because it's a different administration, they're promising they're not going to let us do that. And the last thing I'll say about the foreign policy of America is in the days after John Kerry, days after Fidel Castro died, John Kerry put out a statement grieving with the Cuban people. I am not a a hateful person. The only good thing that Fidel Castro did for the Cuban people was die was the best thing he could have done for the Cuban people. He is an oppressive, was an oppressive, evil dictator that enriched himself, his family, and his cronies with the blood, sweat, and tears of the Cuban people. He murdered his own citizens that dared to be against him. And it is impossible for me to believe that the American government went to the lengths that we have to normalize relations with that country and to say such shining, glowing things about an evil dictator like Fidel Castro. But once again, this is the foreign policy of the current administration. Whoever you are, supporting democratic policies and the democratic platform for the economy of the United States is a disagreement that I have, and I think I'm standing on the side of angels with how it hasn't worked for eight years, but it's a discussion that all of us can have. Supporting the nation of Iran and that theocracy, and it's not only supporting its right to exist as it is, in the Iranian constitution, they call for the annihilation of the Zionist state. Their constitution, their focus, their goal as a theocracy run by a religious book is what I mean by a theocracy is to kill and destroy Israel. Not only do we say they have a right to exist, we're going to normalize relations, we're going to give them billions of dollars, and we're going to encourage the world to do business with them. This week, John Kerry says to the Israelis, you can't be both a religious state, and democratic. It's impossible. We're going to sit down with Iran for over a year and cut a deal, give them billions of dollars. We're going to take them saying death to America. We're going to do all of these things and swallow our pride and do, oh, and I forgot to throw in what they did to the United States Navy when they took those sailors off the ship, like I said yesterday, stripped them of their uniforms and showed the world American sailors crying without their uniforms on them, completely against every rule and regulation of taking a prisoner or taking a captive. And John Kerry thanked the Iranians for their treatment of the American Navy. This from a Navy hero, right? And now, he rebukes Israel and says they're a threat to peace in the region. 
if there's anything in my synopsis that is factually incorrect, I'd love to have somebody correct me. You may agree with the policy, but you can't disagree with the facts. So what's left? What the U.S. may be doing in response to this with the next administration, with the next session of Congress, that may be a bright light in part of this. I'll give you the answer to that next. And, of course, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk about President Obama and some protected land in the western United States that's got some governors and some people in the western United States very upset. All of that happening here in the next hour and in the next few moments. Once again, my name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. All right, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, however you're checking out the program, however you're listening to us and spending part of your day with the Glenn Beck program, thank you for that. Uh, we do appreciate it. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn for my final day of the year. So thank you for, for joining me, social media users. I do appreciate the outreach as always. I'm, I'm blown away always by the comments. Even those that disagree are respectful, and it's a great spirited debate. I appreciate all of it. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Broomhead Show, and my last name is spelled, unfortunately, just like it sounds, Broomhead. Yes, it's my real name. If I was going to make up one of those funny radio names, why in the world would I make up Broomhead? But at Broomhead Show on Twitter, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook, or if you're an Instagram user, a bunch of my pictures are up on Instagram, and it's Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. So thank you for the social media outreach. I'll be you know, responding and trying to correspond during breaks. I do maintain my own account. Nobody does that for me. I do it myself. Um, TheBlaze.com, story from TheBlaze.com. Congress already moving to slash U.N. funding, and it's not stopping there. That may be the solution. The U.N.'s a toothless tiger anyway. When was the last time the U.N. solved any kind of a problem? The issue here is negotiating from a place of power, as everybody knows. And the United States, the, the world leader in the U.N., and yet we have relegated ourselves to a back seat. It should never have done that. The problem with American policies right now is that our enemies don't fear us, but more importantly, our allies don't trust us. You know, when you have a friend and your friend gets in trouble, you back your friend. I'm not talking about a fist fight in a bar. I'm saying when your friend needs something, when your friend is in trouble, when somebody is threatening a friend, when there is something threatening a friend, That's when friends step up and do something. We have decimated the relationships with our allies. Our allies have reached out to other members of the United States government and said, we are beginning to believe it is better to be an enemy of the U.S. than a friend. And it is sad. But if we are going to slash funding for the U.N., if we are going to tell the United Nations, if this is how you're going to behave, it's not about a set of ideals and principles. Ideals and principles are this is how everyone should be treated. They don't do that at all. 
and the nations that are anti-Israel, the anti-Zionist state, as the uh, Iranians would put it, we should step aside. But think about what this policy is telling the Israelis and the rest of the world. It is scary to me. Absolutely scary, the policies of the United States. It's going to change. End of January, there's changes coming. Marco Rubio responded to John Kerry's speech by saying that he's looking forward to working with the Trump administration to restore our respect with Israel and our credibility around the world. And I I think he said it very, very well. Coming up in the next hour, the president uh, moves to protect land in Utah and Nevada, millions of acres of land becoming federally protected land. The governor's very upset that the president is wielding this kind of power, especially at the end of his term. They asked him not to do it. Why the president says he did these things. But most of all, why would a story like this be a headline in the next hour? There's an important reason for it. And because I live in the western United States, I'm going to explain it to you. I hope you'll bear with me. Hope you'll stick around for the next hour of the program. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in for Glenn Beck for the rest of this morning. Thanks for making it part of your day. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.